There we go. Now I'm on. Thank you for that welcome. It's always fun to be welcome. Some of you are going, who is Brock, by the way? Well, I'm just one of those pastors on staff here. And I just love the opportunity when I get to teach. Because I get to constantly through the week, I get to meet with people. I get to connect with the church family. So when I get to actually teach, I feel like I told this to John just a minute ago, right before the service. I said, I feel like I'm just talking to my family, sitting and having dinner. So you're my family. This is just a family discussion. We get to just talk through things, open up the word together, and enjoy that. Some of you, how many of you volunteered yesterday for back to school, backpack things? Quite a few of you. There was a lot in that first service. Maybe they're just the earlier risers. But it was a really fun day. We go, there were hundreds of backpacks. I want to thank you as a church. The way that we ask for people to serve and to do something, and you always rise to the occasion. Every time. We need money. We need backpacks. We need something. You guys always say yes, yes, yes. And I love that. We had so many volunteers. We were trying to figure out what to do with some of them. We literally, it's like, well, just pick trash up. And which is an extension of many churches that were there. And so what a great opportunity. We got there early, and the line was already about 100, 150 people deep, about an hour, an hour and a half before it started. So they were in a very need for a backpack, which is pretty bizarre, because we're like, well, of course we're going to buy our kids a backpack. Well, they maybe can't. So thank you for doing that. It was a great day. It was a great day for the sun. It was just, we had a great time. You saw the last one was men's ministry. So since I'm a man, I got to do a plug, you know. So it is this Thursday. Wives, just kind of go, I'm going to remind him Thursday that men's quarterly is going to happen at 630 at the warehouse. And we're going to entice you with pulled pork sandwiches and some really good food. So come for physical and spiritual growth. You're going to have that night. So it'll be a really good time. Also, October 20th through 22nd, the men are back to doing our men's retreat. This one's at Catalina Island. Wives, men did not even hear what I said. So wives or girlfriends or moms, please remind them, say that date, October 20th through 22nd, to go to Catalina so they don't have to take the helicopter over there, okay? So we are so excited to, to begin to wrap up Hebrews, not because we are excited to finish a book, because we have another series that we're excited about. Andrew will finish up next week. Hebrews, we're in chapter 13. I'm only going to do six verses. So if you have a Bible, grab that Bible. If it's like me, I don't bet you, you see this thing, yes, a computer, and you're going, why is he going to that? What about the old-fashioned, traditional way of the Bible? As you get older, I can't see as good. And that's some of you. Andy, you've seen glasses. I'm too prideful to wear the glasses. So I just have to make a little bigger font. Because if you put paper down for me, I'm probably going to go give me more light. Well, that's just how it is. So a lot of you are on your phones. That's okay. God, God's okay with that phone. So pull whatever you got to turn to Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 6. We're going to just, I'm going to share a few things first. This is kind of his wind down from the first 12 chapters. As the, whoever the writer was, he's talking about Jesus over and over is supreme. 
And I hope you've got that through all the weeks we've been gathering, that Jesus is superior. Jesus is better than the angels he's talked about. Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the law. Jesus is better than the old covenant. Jesus is better than the priesthood. Jesus is better than the tabernacle. Jesus is better than the temple in Jerusalem. Jesus is better than the old sacrificial systems. So why does this author keep making this argument? Well, here's what was going on during that time. During that time, the people of that day were turning away from God, away from Christ. They were wanting to go back to some of the religious systems. I don't know about you, but sometimes traditions are hard to get rid of. Whatever, whether it's a, a religious tradition, it's the way you've always done Thanksgiving, it's the way that we always do Easter, or whatever the tradition, they're hard to get rid of sometimes. But the writer spends 12 chapters making the argument that the believer, which is most of us in this room, loses nothing by trusting Christ, but gains everything. That's what he's trying to get across. When you come to Christ and you're going, man, I had to give up, I had to give up, remember what you gained. Remember what you gained. The writer stakes his entire life on Jesus. Do you? I do. I'm talking about pastor. I'm not a pastor just for the reason just being up here or meeting with people. I am about God's work. And I believe and I stake my claim on Jesus. And I, I'm sure you do too. Well, let's look at chapter 13, verse 1 through 6. If you're a note taker, this reading began. The writer is focusing on these two areas. We're only doing, again, six verses. The first four verses is our spiritual fellowship of love. Okay, we're going to talk about love. The second one is our spiritual treasures we have in Christ. Let's open the word now. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and he says, and all sexual immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Let's pray. Father, we've heard your word. And Father, we want you now to take the word that you say is active and it's sharp and it cuts to our heart. And I pray that you begin to work personally in every person in this room's lives the way that you need to minister to them. What are the areas in our lives, Father, that we need to really understand through this passage? Father, I pray that 
those that came in with some distractions, whatever it is going on in life, that right now they zone in on you and they listen to you, Father. And I pray that you take these words and minister to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So he talks about love, right? Verse one, love, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Some of you have heard me say this. It's, I had to clarify, it's not my Calvary Chapel background because you heard me talk about this. It was previous to that as a young man. My wife and I were actually raised into this church environment. It was to me a very religious environment. And how I say that, it was very legalistic. There were not just the rules, but we called them the church disciplines. Okay? It was just a nicer way to say rules, right? And a lot of them. I mean, circus and carnivals and playing cards and all those are no, 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 no's, you know, stuff. So I remember as a kid just going, oh my goodness, there's so many things. So this religious environment, I think often we don't want that because what I saw is a lot of people in the church, their hearts were never changed. They followed the law really well, but their hearts weren't changed. They didn't know what it was like to love someone around them. I think it's easy to follow rules. No, not always. I'm a little rule baker, but it's, it's typically easier to follow rules than to really truly love someone. Right? Sometimes that's true. 1 John 3.14 says this. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. So if you look at this verse 1, love, what it says here in Greek, if you would look that up in Greek, it would be phileo or the Philadelphia love. It means brotherly love. Like the city of Philadelphia, you live there, it's known as the city of brotherly love, right? So it's known. So we are to be known by that as believers. But love is not just fluffy words. It's actions, right? It's something we do. So how often do we love? In Hebrews, as I was studying this, I typically study this in New King James because that's the church that I really would read from and most of my Bibles are that, even though we read in NIV here. But it talks over and over about this love and the action of it. And there's all this lettuce. Now, it's not the lettuce you eat. Not, not your salad lettuce. It's let us. So listen to this. Let us go on, he says, Hebrews 6, 1. Let us draw near, chapter 10, verse 11. Let us consider each other, chapter 10, verse 24. Let us have grace, 12, 28. And let us go forth, we'll learn next week, let us go forth unto him in 1313. He's saying it's action in love. It's something we do. Let us do these things. The writer urges and prompts the believer to continue in love by putting it in action. So how do we continue in this brotherly love? What is the source of love? Help me. Just think you're in a Pentecostal church. What is the source of love? God, thank you. I'm going to ask you some more things. Here's what God says himself. 1 John 4, 7 through 12. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God, and he knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. 
Because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and his only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. For one has, for no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So how do we express love? How do we express love? Copy him, right? Copy Jesus, right? Copy the Lord. We read this. It's expressing love. We, I have two of my favorite 316s, and you know at least one of those, and probably both of them. You'll see it wrapped on cars, even though one of our brothers here has his, uh, uh, his fo- favorite football team, let me see what it is, wrapped on his car. All right, okay, we'll say Steelers are okay. This is football season. It's my favorite time of the year. By the way, sorry about that. I was watching some last night. But the 316, see it all over the place, right? So I want you to read this in the NIV. It's going to be on the screen. I want you to read this together with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And then 1 John 3.16, look at this one and read this with me. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. John is expressing this way of love. Jesus gave it to us by giving his best, his son on the cross. And John invites us to sacrifice for each other. That's what he's asking us to do. Love is something you do. It's not something you just believe or you feel. Love is something you act on. It's a real truth that is in me that I want to express. Christians in the past and the present are marked or branded by love. Look at John 13, 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. What? If you love one another. That's how you know if branches is a church that should be disciples of Christ. Is if outside of these walls, of course inside, but outside of these walls that we love And we want to be known as a church that loves on the inside, the Lord, and on the outside. Now, Jesus said in this world, there's going to be hard times, right? There's going to be tribulation and persecution. He said, I was hated by the world. So there's going to be all of these things, but we need to be branded by love. The writer is going to remind us of some practical ways. Look at verse 2. He first said, have this brotherly love, right? Verse 1. Verse 2, he says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. 
When I was a young man, I'm pretty old now, so I'm over the 60 level, right? So I'm, I'm getting older, right? I only have 50 more years left. So when I was a young man in the late 60s, early 70s, there was this thing going on called the Jesus Movement. A lot of you have seen the Jesus Revolution. There was this thing going on in California. I'm from Oklahoma. Something going on in California. People were getting saved, filled with the Spirit, and baptized at Pirate's Cove. And all of a sudden, my mom and dad, and I, just, I, I, I wish you'd get to know my mom. She comes every once in a while. She is the most godly woman you will ever meet. Deanna? Yes, yes. My daughter's yes. I'm telling you, she is an angel. She is. She reads the word. Her, her, half of her kitchen table is the word and commentaries and books. She reads like two to three books a week. She is just, she has a, she's a prayer warrior. I know my mom, but my mom and dad were so in love with Jesus. My dad was bivocational like I was. He was a teacher and he was also a pastor. And so we were always the last one to leave the church. The reason we have potlucks is because of my family, because they were the most hospitable people you would ever dream. My dad would invite almost every week someone home to eat. He'd just call Imogene, I've got a family coming. She's like, well, I already figured that out. In the old days, you remember when you put the pot roast in the oven? Now it's the crock pot, maybe, or maybe it's Chipotle, I don't know where you do. But... <laughs> Whatever, but it was the pot roast. She'd just make a bigger one, and there was more potatoes, and she'd just add to it, right? Well, there was a family once, and I just, I'll never forget this. Late 60s, early 70s. They got saved in California. They're traveling through the United States to tell people about Jesus. As they traveled through, they came to Ada, Oklahoma, which two of you have maybe heard of that ever. <laughs> Probably none of you, but one. I know one girl actually played or volleyball in that, in that city. But came through Lalea, and all of a sudden my dad said, we have two young men and a young lady that are coming to our house. Full-blown hippies. Tie-dyed, bell-bottoms. I don't think they own shoes. And I don't think they've seen a shower. And they smelt, but I'm telling you, the fragrance of Christ was all over them. And they preached and shared, and we went out and... They told about Jesus. I, it made such an impression on me. And my, so when they left, my dad, first of all, saw they need some more clothes. He got them shoes, clothed them. They stayed for almost a week with us. Then he saw their tires were bald. So he went and bought tires. He got an oil change and he filled their tank with gas. And he served them. And I'm telling you, when they left, I'll never forget my dad. He said, Snook family, we very likely might have just entertained angels unaware. I go, that has stuck to me since I was a kid. That when we serve, we serve the Lord. That's who we are serving is the Lord. And they need that touch, a stranger. And this, these people were changed. And guarantee it, my family was changed from that day on. But this writer not only explains love, but he puts legs and arms and feet to what it means. The Bible calls God's people to love strangers. Love them. Remember he said in Deuteronomy 10, 19, it says this. Moses wrote that God 
God's people must love the sojourner, which is the stranger, for you were once sojourners in the land of Egypt. So we are to continue that. Do you remember this? Whether you're, who's a, who is a parent? Okay, there's a lot of parents. Now you're going, wait, that's, you're still a parent. I don't care if your kid's 50, you're still a parent. Or some of you will be parents or you were parented at one point. Okay, so all of us are in this. I want you to think about a time in your personal life when your mom or your dad said this to you. They said, son or daughter, come in the room. Don't be scared. Your mother and your dad love you. Don't worry about anyone else. You remember that at times? We always felt secure around your family. The reason I say that is that is the security that Jesus gives us. Come on in. Don't worry about the enemy. Oh, he's there. But come in with me. Remember, he said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. As soon as you open that door, he's saying, I'm here. I'm here. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about the enemy. You're with me at this point. So we are to understand this context of love in first three verses. Love strangers. Care for them. Care for those in prison, he talks about in three. There were other times angels were talking, talked about uh, that, were, that were visited uh, people, Abraham in Genesis, Gideon in Judges 11, Manoah in Judges 13. Manoah was Samson's dad. You remember him? Samson, the strong guy. Manoah was the one where his first the angel of the Lord came to his wife and said, I know you're barren. I know you can't have children. You're going to have kids. She's freaking out. She tells Manoah. Manoah says, I want to see this got this angel, he comes to both of them and says, yes, it's true, you're going to have children. And through your son, you're going to conquer the Philistines. So an angel was there, but the writer was trying to get across this supernatural character of kindness. That's what he's trying to say, this kindness that comes when you speak to a stranger, when you help someone that maybe feels like they're in a hard place. All of these others experience kindness. Hospitality for some of you is hard. It's hard. I, I, don't, I don't have the house for it. I, I said it earlier. Invite him to Chipotle. It's not that hard. Invite him to Starbucks, even if you don't like Starbucks. Invite him to Starbucks. Sorry, Bobby. I even said that word. You know Starbucks. <laughs> Invite them. Be a part of them. Be hospitable. Because sometimes if we're troubled or we're distant, it's where you don't want to be hospitable. Because you don't feel the love of the Lord at that point. Get through that. So we must choose to be kind because that's something we need to do. And where do we do this? It could be at home. It could be a neighborhood. Many of us have waved to our neighbors, but you do not know their name. You know their car and you do the wave. And they drive in their you know, they drive in and you don't ever see them again, but you wave to them, right? Go and ask their name. What would it be like for maybe us in church to see one, someone you don't know and invite them over that you don't know them? What about a neighbor that you don't even know what they do and invite them into your house? What would that look like? That is something we need to do. We need to learn how to love. 
He does talk about prisoners in verse 3. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them? He says, we're like imprisoned at one point. It's like being chained with them. Those who are mistreated, since yourselves are in the body also. Who are the prisoners? It could be some that are in prison, in a modern prison that we know about. But I think people are often homeless, I think, sometimes are imprisoned. I think people are stuck in drugs now are imprisoned. I think people that are just in a place that the enemy just has them, just has their hands on them. He's just taking them, speaking to them. Realize I'm connected to you and I want to love you. And I want to tell you about Jesus. All Christians have sinned. We've all fallen short, right? Every one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. But we can be a new creation in Christ. Why do we think someone that's in prison cannot be released? Absolutely they can. Jesus gives us that new creation through him. So we've got to find this way to love. Now look at this next one, verse 4. Marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterers and all sexual immoral. When I started looking at this, and I'm looking at that how this beginning of the chapter says love begins with Jesus, that it continues in relationship with each other, that it continues with strangers, then furthermore it goes to marriage. I began to go, wait a minute, who invented marriage? God, right? Adam and Eve, the beginning of the garden. He took two people, male, I'm going to express this, male and female. You know where I'm going with this. Culture didn't like this. And he said, become one. And then you have children, and they have children, and they get married, and they have children, and they get married. That is the way that God established marriage. And we need to know that. And I know our culture's going, don't go there. Don't talk about this. And I was even going, I'm shocked the way our nation has gone. And I'm thinking, where else can we go in identities and all this stuff? And I'm going, it's getting worse. And I go, you think it's worse than it was thousands of years ago? No! The enemy is ruthless. It's ruthless. Then they were just more obviously women prostituting to these gods. It was just a little more obvious than what we do. But... It says fornication, right? It talks about this area that we need to be careful with. Fornication means all sexual expressions outside of marriage, period. And a marriage of a man and a woman. Adultery is sexual expression by a married person to another person, whether that other person's married or not. There's these warnings about sexual immorality. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 5.11, but now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or a sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy and an idolater, a slanderer, a drunkard, or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. Am I saying that if you're in a category and you're sexually active and you're not married, that you're... Going to hell right now? No, I'm not saying that. Because I'm saying there's not a person in this room that is not sinned. Many of you sinned on the drive here. <laughs> right? Some of you are so mad that I'm even bringing this up. 
But I'm telling you, we all fall short, absolutely. But just like Jesus over and over as he ministered to people, as he went to the person that's adulterer, someone that's been with five husbands, he said, go and sin no more. So it's like, stop. That's what he's trying to tell us. And if you're mad at me, don't be, because this is God's word. I'm just an ambassador right now. I'm just the one that's getting to proclaim this. So it's something that God speaks to us constantly about. Do we love the Lord so much that even sexually I will be pure with him? I think that's what he's looking for. He's looking for that. He really is. So we've looked at love. Now we're going to look at the second part. Our spiritual treasure we have in Christ. These last two verses. Now we should look at this like this. What should we not love? Been talking about what we love. What should we not love? Look at verse five. Keep your lives free from the love of what? Money. And be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Jesus talks about it over and over. We see all kinds of scriptures dealing with money. That's just not the only way that we covet. I mentioned to the first service, I'm going to say it again because he's not in the service, but we helped all those kids with the backpacks. So I was over at the church early and setting everything up. And he pulls his truck in. I pull my truck in. I'm smelling the smell of a new truck. I go, how old are you? I'm not going to tell you his name. It is a nice Chevy 2500 white. If you ever see it. He already told me, man. But... So, I mean, literally, not, you didn't have to just smell the upholstery. I could smell it and the exhaust was new. I go, how long have you had this? He said, six days. I go, oh. So I'm talking about covet. It's not always just money, but often it is because what money, we covet money because what it buys us, vacation, retirement, a, a new things, you know. But sometimes we even have religious things that we crave. I wish it was like the old days of Calvary. John, I'm pointing to you because you got more years in Calvary than me, 40 or something. It's like the old days. It's like the old days we used to have. Or, or for you, maybe in the church you're at, I wish we had more candles burning. You know, remember we used to have the fork across and had candles? I wish we had that old day back. I wish we had a church building that was ours. You know, maybe you, I wish our, I was like rolling with the Holy Spirit every time I leave the service. <laughs> Hallelujah, praise God. You know, maybe that's what you're missing. Maybe that's the religious experience because you're coveting something that was. But Luke 12, 15 says, Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Coveting. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Be careful. Why is greed covet written in Hebrews by the author? Because it breaks up fellowship. It messes up spiritual growth. That's why he writes this. Coveting makes it hard for me to love someone else because I'm coveting what they have. Even my own spouse. I love my wife. But even my own spouse, if there's coveting going on, if there's something going on, that do you really, can you love them that way? So we need to stop that. The second part of verse five says, Keep your lives free from love of money. Be content. Then he says, never 
will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So let's connect the dots. Let's just connect these dots of what I've been sharing. What is the relationship between love, which we started, contentment, and the presence of God? Well, God says these things. He wants to provide for us protection. God wants to protect his children. He wants us to have contentment and his presence. He promised when he, when he ascended into heaven, when he told the disciples, I will be with you. I will be with you as the comforter, as the Holy Spirit. His presence is with us all the time. I'm going to preface this illustration because it had a little, it was rough of the first service. So I'm going to tell you this because I love animals, okay? So you're going, where is he going? I love animals. I love them. I really do. And, and so I went to Alaska with Eli and Jessica. Jessica's from there a long time ago. And I remember one of the brother-in-laws talking about wolves are very vicious. They're the highest of the chain. And we have to take them out, as you know to speak. Not that dinner, but you know, well, you know. What I mean. We have to get rid of them every once in a while. So this is true. And they said, here's the way we do it. We would take sharp knives. And he said, we would take those knives and we would dip it in blood and then freeze it. Dip it in blood and freeze it. And do it over and over until you have a blood sickle, basically, right? So don't tell your kids this story. Blood sickle. And so they would place them around in a pack of wolves, right? They come in packs. They sniff it. They sniff the blood out. You know, they begin to lick it. And, you, know, yeah, good. you heard that. Begin to lick it, right? And all of a sudden, guess what happens? Tongues get numb. Then they begin to lick the blade and they die in their blood. You're going, I am so sad. Sorry, but you guys have all killed them now at one point. But listen to this. The idea behind this, it wasn't just tell you the illustration, but just like covet, getting greedy, you want more, and I want more, and it ends up destroying you, and it ends up taking you over, and it may kill your spirit because you just give in to the covet. You see why I use that illustration? The writer says, B, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll ask for forgiveness right now. It's a true story. The writer says, be content. I want you to look at this. It'll be on the screen. Martin Luther said, next to faith, this is the highest art to be content with the calling in which God has placed you. And he says, I have not learned it yet. Then look what John Piper wrote. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Contentment is secret to living out a Christian faith. I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 31. You guys know this passage, but I want you to remember what it's about. The children of Israel have, have spent 40 years in in this wandering, from they've been in Egypt for 40 years, they've been in wandering and they've had all their manna and they've been eating their quail and they're, they're tired of, they want the leeks and they want all the tradition I talked about earlier. 
And they're at this point where, remember, God said, Moses, you don't even get to go into the promised land. None of you adult men are going into this promised land. This is where this verse 6 comes in. He says this to Joshua and to all of the children of Israel that are there looking at the promised land. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord, your God, goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all of Israel, be strong and courageous for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. So they were nervous to go in and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. Then verse eight says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Never, verse 5 says, will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Verse 6 says, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? He's quoting from Psalm 118, verses 6 and 7. And as he says this, it's the Lord is my helper. Who is beside us? When we received Jesus, I said it. He knocked. You said, yes. Who is beside me? The Lord. So why do we fear? Why are we nervous? What can man do to me? Nothing. What can the enemy do? I've been dealing with someone this week. I'm not going to tell you too much about it because there's some occult practices going on and their family are wrapped up in it. And we've been going back and forth through calls and, and just, and there's a mother that's just heartbroken and just says, it's, I, I feel like it's almost Satan is there. And I'm reminding her over and over of who is in you and who is in those daughters. And I know your daughters know Jesus and we're gonna pray that they're the truth will set them free and God will see through that and change and destroy whatever's going on in this compound in Hawaii. The Lord is the helper. I will not be afraid. When I was in the office this week, and I had different periodic times, and I was in there a lot of evenings, and I was walking around. And for those of you who don't know, I pray a lot before Sundays. I'll be in the backyard. I, whoever, the youth guys, a couple were coming in to worship, and I think I scared them. I am loud in that warehouse because it echoes and I'm praying and I'm singing. And I got this on Thursday or Friday night when all of a sudden I had a mind-blowing experience. And you know this, but just for me it was mind-blowing that me, I brought you church, possess Jesus. Possess. Yeah, we are possessed by Jesus. And then I go, wait a minute. Not only do I possess Jesus, but Jesus possesses all. I was honestly just like, wow. That was just, for me, it was like, wow. It was like such a cool thing. Philippians 4.19 says, and my God 
will meet some of your needs? No, no, all my need, your needs, according to his riches of glory in Christ Jesus. And we worry about things and we possess God and he's a part of us. And we can pray and, and, and allow God to do things through us because he possesses all. And here's my final things I'm going to share. What is the text telling us? I'm going to give you seven things. Seven things the text is telling us. First, continue in love for your brothers. Remember, the source of love is God. So continue to love my brothers, brotherly love. Second, be kind to strangers. Even if they don't look like you, smell like you, I talked about the hippie, whatever it may be, show kindness, show grace, bring them into your homes, reach out to someone today in church. That's simple. Third, care and compassion for prisoners or those who have been mistreated. Remember, Jesus cared for the misfortunate people. That's who he went after. That's who he ministered to, the misfortunate. Do we? Fourth, honor marriage according to God's word. Love your wives, men. Love your husbands, ladies. Fifth, honor God sexually. He forgives and he transforms us. Absolutely. But honor God sexually. Sixth, cultivate contentment. The one thing that will keep the wolf away from the popsicle is contentment. It's contentment. It's contentment. Last, have confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. He will give you help. He will provide his presence. He will provide his protection. Remember when you think, oh, when I came to Christ, all those things I had to give up, drinking and smoking, not that that's totally wrong. Whatever you think, I had to give up all that stuff to follow Jesus. I want you to remember what you gained. You gained Jesus, the Holy Spirit, in you to help you with decisions, to help you figure out life, to help you in a workplace, to know how to be married, to know how to date, to know how to spend money, to know what vehicle to buy. You have him in you. He possesses in a part of you. I want you to know we're going to close in prayer. And I want you to continue to remember this message as you close your eyes and bow your heads. As the worship team are beginning to play, I pray that you are just having your eyes right now fixed directly on the Spirit of God. Let him look into your heart right now. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters right now, whatever is going on, whatever scripture that we read today that you have been pointing out is an area that you need to work on. It could be that I don't love my, literally my, my paternal brother or sister. Maybe my family members. Maybe because of a lawsuit or something that happened 25 years ago. Maybe I don't love my neighbors. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's a stranger that you've told me over and over to go to them and just give them some water. 
but I just say no because I don't want it to be in an awkward place. Maybe for some in this room, it's someone that's in prison and you know that. And you know that God can set them free and you're just afraid to do that and because that's your boss or that's someone you know that's so close to you. Father, there's someone in here that maybe their marriage is struggling. Maybe their marriage is just distraught and it's at kind of the end of the, the game of marriage and they're contemplating divorce or there's, there's adultery in that relationship. Or maybe there's a man or a woman that have been coming close to somebody talking to them too much, an old Facebook person or someone Instagram that they're communicating with another opposite sex and they're interested in them and they're feeling, they're feeling good about that. Father, I pray that they cut that off, cut sin out of their life. Father, I pray if there's someone that's coveting things, I gotta have this, I gotta have that, I gotta have the new job, I'm not satisfied with this state I live in, I gotta move, I, I don't like her, anything. Father, I pray for that person. Speak to them. Father, someone that's maybe living with someone right now or having sex with their boyfriend or girlfriend or doing anything outside of that sexual thing of a man and a woman. Father, I pray you speak into them right now. Help them to become pure in you. All you would say is just ask for forgiveness. And Father, you say, it's okay. I love you, bro. I'm still with you. But don't try to get distant from God because sin draws us away from that relationship he's trying to. And so, Father, for wherever we are in this, whatever place we're in, help us to realize you're our helper. (laughs) When we don't know where to go, no one listens to me. Oh, no, that's not right. God, you are always hearing us. You're always there with us. Help us to find hope in in your presence, hope. In your future. Thank you for your grace in Jesus' name. Amen.